0: In our community, there's a man from Nebraska who one day fell in love with Talmud. He also fell in love with a Jewess, a Jewish woman, as if, yeah, he fell in love with a Jewish woman. And with all of this love, he decided it was high time to naturalize as a Jewish citizen at Romamu. In fact, he introduced all of us to this very natural concept of naturalization in place of conversion, but why, if we feel like we've been Jewish all our lives, it's naturalization, right? A few months ago, this community member was diagnosed with a fatal degenerative disease, which he refers to as his one-way ticket. Shortly after receiving the diagnosis, he picked up the phone, he called everyone he knew, and he said, it's time for me to begin my thank you tour. And that's exactly what he did. He thanked everyone in his life for the ways in which he was transformed, big, small, whatever impacted, he thanked. So today he's back in Nebraska, and he's in a nursing home, but the thank you tour has continued, and every time we speak, he thanks me. It's hard to receive sometimes, but it's powerful. Even through the phone, his voice reverberates with life, with presence, with gratitude. He's alive with passion to learn, to thank, and to bless. Yesterday, on the phone, I said to him, you're starting to sound a little bit like Jacob, actually, in this week's Parsha. How so, he asked. Well, Jacob, like you, teaches us how to say goodbye. Jacob is the first ancestor who is intentional about how he will die and how he will be buried. And he models, according to the rabbis, this kind of aliveness in the midst of darkness. So we encounter Jacob at the beginning of this week's Parsha, and he is dying. This is the first deathbed scene in the entire Torah, and it's full of pathos and love, vulnerability. It's one of the most intimate and powerful scenes in all of the Torah. Jacob lies in a place of diminished strength and vigor, He's so far from his prime, he doesn't remember what prime looked like. Jacob, do you remember just four weeks ago in the Parsha, he wrestled with angels and humans and bested them. Jacob, who was the head of a massive clan that he split into two as they crossed the river. Jacob with a a giant P for patriarch emblazoned across his chest. But lately... These days, as he walks down the street in Egypt, people say, "Oh, what a cute old man.'" But back to the scene. Jacob is dying, and he calls to his son Joseph, "'Please, please, if you love me, if I found favor in your eyes,' Do not bury me here in Egypt. Bury me with my parents. Bring me up to the land. It takes all of his strength to sit up in bed in order to properly bless his son. He says, I never dreamed I would see you again alive. And here I am with your children this is the first time in the Torah that anybody is Chole, that anyone is sick. Before Jacob, you made it to about 170, and as Aviva Zornberg put it, you sneezed and then you died. <laughs> but Jacob, he's like us. He dies like us, he suffers like us, he's in pain, and at one point when he doesn't recognize his grandchildren, it seems like he may have early stages of dementia. We feel his loss of dignity and getting old. As the Midrash succinctly puts it, Joseph, he spent his first 17 years nurtured by Jacob. And Jacob, he spent his last 17 years nurtured by Joseph. As Shakespeare put it, the last scene of all is second childishness and mere oblivion, sans teeth, sans eyes, sans taste, sounds everything. And yet, and yet, this Parsha begins with Vayechi Yaakov. Jacob lived. Vayechi Yaakov Be'eretz Mitzrayim shva Esrei Shanna. Jacob lived in Egypt for 17 years and the madrashas teach these last 17 years where he seems so weak, so diminished, where he's in Egypt, far away from home. Egypt, a place that is known for where only bad things happen. These 17 years are where Jacob truly lived. He came alive. Before then, do you remember from last week when he arrived in last week's Parsha in Egypt? He gets off the chariot, Pharaoh greets him, and Jacob says, my years have been lean and bitter. This man who arrived on the scene last week was not alive. He was grumpy. And for years after losing Joseph, he stopped living. We hear him repeat the phrase over and over that he is going down to Sheol. He is to Sheol. He's going, not Sheol, to Sheol, to the place of darkness, to death. But here in Egypt, which is the place of darkness, against all odds, he is more alive than the previous 30 years. The Hasidic master, the Sfat Emet, says that Jacob is plugged into the root of all life, the thing itself. In this scene with his son Joseph, Jacob comes alive. I don't know, maybe, do you know people like this? Bursting at the seams with life, living with full meaning in the face of deep uncertainty, or even very clear, dark certainty? In this scene alone with Joseph and his grandchildren, the Torah depicts not only his vulnerability, but his presence, his aliveness, his wisdom. This is Jacob as emet, as truth. And Jacob not only teaches us how to say goodbye, he teaches us how to be alive in the moment of ending. At this darkest time of the year when every tree is bare and when many in our community have suffered loss, how do we connect to the root? How do we stay present and alive? And how do we say goodbye? I read an an article in the New York Times this week um, by Harvard philosophy professor Sean Kelly about the ineffable quality of aliveness. Kelly is a professor of 17th century Western philosophy, and he found quite accidentally this line, and he didn't know where it was from, a line in his lecture notes on Pascal, the philosopher. He writes, The goal of life is not happiness, peace, or fulfillment, but aliveness. The goal of life is not happiness, peace, or fulfillment, but aliveness. And he goes on to write as he's trying to unpack the very elusive quality of aliveness. He says, when you really feel alive, your past, your present, and your future somehow make sense together as the unity they have always promised to be. It is the validation of what came before, just as it is the preparation for what comes after. I wanna add another attribute of aliveness. We know it when we see it, and we can recognize it in others. And like a yawn, it can be passed from creature to creature. Aliveness is contagious. That spark, we light from one person to the next, like the shamash from Hanukkah two weeks ago. I need a little more Hanukkah Torah, but we light each other And we also know that aliveness does not positively correspond to physical beauty, to youth, to material possessions, or to health. In fact, from Jacob, we learn that his most alive years were his wintry ones, sans teeth, sans everything. And so tonight, I'm thinking of our Roman member in Nebraska, and I'm thinking of our ancestor who was down in Egypt, our first ancestor who ever was sick. And I want to thank them for teaching us how to stay alive in the darkest moments, how to be present, and how to say goodbye.